Chapter Three of Mrs. Bindle by Herbert Jenkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Three. Mrs. Bindle entertains. One. Bindle. Mrs. Bindle stepped down from a chair, protected by her ironing blanket, on which she had been standing to replace a piece of holly that had fallen from a picture she gazed at the mid-victorian riot about her with obvious pride it constituted her holy of holies upon it she had laboured for days with soap and water and furniture polish with evergreen and coloured candles to render it worthy of the approaching festivity she had succeeded only in emphasising its uncompromising atmosphere of coldness and angularity antimacassars seemed to shiver self-consciously upon the backs of stamped plush chairs photo-frames and what she called knick-knacks stared at one another in wide-eyed desolation whilst chains of coloured paper pale green and yellow predominating stretched in bilious festoons from picture-nail to picture-nail on the mantelpiece in wine-coloured lustres which were mrs bindle's especial glory two long candles reared aloft their pink nakedness they were never to be lit and they knew it chilly pink and naked they would remain eventually to be packed away once more in the cardboard box from which for years they had been taken to grace each successive festivity it had always been bindle's ambition to light these candles which were probably the most ancient pieces of petroleum wax in the kingdom but he lacked the moral courage funny thing you can't be clean without stinkin like this he had mumbled that morning as he sniffed the air reeking of turpentine with an underlying motif of yellow soap i suppose appiness is like drink he added it takes people different ways passing over to the sideboard mrs bindle gazed down at the refreshments sausage rolls sandwiches rock cakes blancmange jellies three-cornered tarts exuding their contents at every joint chocolate shape and other delicacies in the centre stood a large open jam tart made on a meat dish it was mrs bindle's masterpiece a tribute alike to earth and to heaven on the jam in letters contrived out of strips of pastry appeared the exhortation prepare to meet thy god bindle had gasped at the sight of this superlative work of art and religion that's a funny sort of way to give a cove appetite he had murmured if it adn't been mrs b i'd have said it was a joke it was with obvious satisfaction that mrs bindle viewed her handiwork at the sight of an iced cake sheltering itself behind a plate of bananas she smiled here again her devotional instincts had triumphed on the uneven white surface in irregular letters of an uncertain blue was the statement the wages of sin is death well well it ain't my idea of happiness she span round to find bindle who had entered unheard gazing dubiously at the tart bearing the disconcerting legend what's not your idea of happiness she demanded he grinned genially across at her you'd like beer bottles on the mantelpiece i suppose she continued and clay pipes and spittoons and not for me mrs b he retorted no one ain't never known me miss the fireplace yet mrs bindle's lips tightened as if she were striving to restrain the angry words that were eager to leap out she had planned a musical evening with the object of assisting her brother-in-law in his aspirations as trainer of the choir at the alton road chapel 
a post which had recently fallen vacant by inviting some of the more humble members of the choir those on a higher social plane than her own would scarcely be likely to accept mrs bindle had thought to further mr hearty's candidature she recognized that their influence would be indirect in its action but even that she decided would be an asset mr hearty had readily consented to lend his harmonium and had sent it round by his van it took two men and a boy together with mr hearty and mrs bindle a long time to persuade it along the narrow passage here it had incontinently stuck for nearly an hour it was not until bindle returned to bring his professional experience to bear that it had been coaxed into the parlour christmas was near at hand and for weeks past the choir had been working under forced draught practising carols that had given mrs bindle the idea of devoting her evening entirely to seasonable music what yer call me for demanded bindle presently remembering the reason of his presence don't forget to get a pail of coals and put it in the kitchen she ordered we shan't want no coals mrs b with all that ot stuff we got a-comin he muttered lugubriously why ain't we got a bit of mistletoe he demanded don't be disgusting she retorted disgustin he cried innocently there ain't nothing disgustin in a bit of mistletoe i won't have such things in my house she announced with decision you've got a lewd mind there ain't nothing lewd in kissing a gal under the mistletoe he demurred or under anything else he added as an afterthought you're nasty-minded bindle and you know it well what are we goin to do at a party if there ain't goin to be no kissin he persisted looking about him with unwonted despondency mr hearty has lent us his harmonium she said with unction gazing reverently across at the instrument which was the pride of her brother-in-law's heart but what's the use of an harmonium he complained you can't play unt the slipper or postman's knock with an harmonium we're going to sing what ems he groaned no carols was the retort it's christmas she added as if by way of explanation well it don't look like it and it don't smell like it he sniffed the atmosphere with obvious disgust puts me in mind of horse oils he added that's right go on she retorted tartly you're not hurting me if you think it she drew in her lips and crossed her hands in front of her with mrs bindle a manifestation of christian resignation i don't want to hurt you lizzie but i ask you can you see me a singin carols he turned towards her a despondent eye of interrogation me at my age you're not asked to sing you can go out and spend the evening swearing and drinking with your low companions she moved over to the mantelpiece and adjusted one of her beloved pink candles you'd only spoil the music she added if there wasn't no music there wouldn't be no religion he grumbled it's harmoniums in this world and arps in the next i'd sooner be a pussyfoot than play an arp mrs bindle ignored the remark and proceeded to repile a plate of sausage rolls to a greater symmetry flicking an imaginary speck of dust from a glass jug of lemonade now mind she cried as he walked towards the door i won't have you spoiling my evening you'd better go out an husband's crossroads or why bindle left home he grinned as he turned and winked at the right-hand pink candle and disappeared leaving mrs bindle to gaze admiringly at her handiwork she had laboured very hard in preparing for the evening's festivities two 
Halfway down the stairs, Mrs. Bindle paused to listen. Her quick ears had detected the sound of voices at the back door, and what was undoubtedly the clink of bottles. Continuing her descent, she entered the kitchen, pausing just inside the door. "'That's all right. Up o' my thumb. A dozen it is,' she heard Bindle remark to someone in the outer darkness. There was a shrill, "'Good night!' and Bindle entered the kitchen from the scullery, carrying a beer bottle under each arm and one in either hand. "'Who was that?' she demanded, her eyes fixed upon the bottles. "'Oh, just a nipper what had brought something for me,' he said, with assumed unconcern. "'What did he bring?' she demanded, her eyes still fixed on the bottles. "'Some beer what I ordered.' "'What for?' "'To drink,' he looked at her as if surprised at the question. "'I didn't suppose you'd brought it in to wash in,' was the angry retort. "'There are four bottles in the cupboard.' they'll last till saturday why did you order more mrs bindle was obviously suspicious perhaps somebody'll get dry to-night he temporized don't you tell me any of your wicked lies bindle she cried angrily you know they're all temperance how many did you order oh just a few he said depositing the bottles on the lower shelf of the dresser nothing like having a bottle or two up your sleeve why have you got your best suit on she regarded with disapproval the blue suit and red necktie bindle was wearing her eyes dropped to the white cuffs that only a careful manipulation of his thumbs prevented from slipping off altogether ain't it the night of the party he inquired innocently i told you that i won't have you come in you with your common ways and low talk that's all right he replied cheerfully i'm a-goin to sit in the kitchen and what good will that do you she demanded suspiciously another time when i'm alone you can go out fast enough now because i've got a few friends coming nothing will move you but i want to ear the music he protested perhaps i'll get to like carols if i ear enough of em he added with the air of one who announces that some day he hopes to acquire a taste for castor oil you're enough to try the patience of a saint she cried still eyeing the bottles of beer i suppose you're up to some devilment it wouldn't be you to let me enjoy myself i likes to see you enjoying yourself lizzie he protested how'd you like old ginger to run in and if that man enters my house i'll insult him she cried her eyes glinting angrily that ain't easy he replied cheerfully unless you was to drink his beer that always gets his rag out i won't have that man in my house she stormed you shall not pollute my home with your foul-mouthed public-house companions i old ginge is all right bindle assured her as he proceeded to fetch four more bottles from the scullery all you got to do is give him some beer and play all is forgiven what happened on peace night and let him stamp his feet to the chorus and he's one of the cheerfullest coves what you'll find well you bring him in here and see what i'll do she announced darkly that's all right mrs b don't you worry i just ask uggles to run round and keep me company and wilkie may drop in if he ain't too busy coughin but they shan't get mixed up with the canaries they won't want to after what i'm going to tell em and we'll all be as quiet as mice if you bring any of your friends into the parlour bindle she cried i'll turn the gas out naughty he admonished wagging at her a playful forefinger i ain't a-goin to allow stop it and with that she bounced out of the kitchen and dashed upstairs to the bedroom banging the door behind her 
ain't women funny he grumbled as he fetched the remaining four bottles of beer from the scullery and placed them upon the shelf of the dresser nice old row there'd have been if i'd said anything about turnin out the gas that's why old arty's so keen on them choir practices i bet they got a penny in the slot meter and everybody takes bloomin good care to leave all their coppers at ome overhead mrs bindle could be heard giving expression to her feelings in the opening and shutting of drawers well well he sighed philosophically i suppose you can't have everything as the cove said when he found the lodger had gone orf with his trousers on bank all a day and he proceeded to gather together two cracked tumblers which had been censored by mrs bindle as unfit for her guests a large white mug with a pink band and the remains of a view of margate and a pint jug with a pink butterfly on the spout we're a-goin to enjoy ourselves any old ow he murmured as picking up a meat dish from the dresser he slipped into the parlour returning a moment later with it piled with rock cakes sandwiches and sausage rolls these he hid on the bottom shelf of the dresser placing a pair of boots in front of them just in time he muttered as mrs bindle was heard descending the stairs it's ullo he broke off here's the first appetite as a knock was heard at the front door for the next ten minutes mrs bindle was busy conducting her guests upstairs to take off their things their escorts waited in the passage clearing their throats or stroking their chins convention demanded that they should wait to make a formal entry into the parlour with their wives with his ear pressed against the kitchen door bindle listened with interest endeavouring to identify from their voices the arrivals as they passed by ten minutes past seven the sounds in the passage had ceased the guests had all come in mrs bindle's circle it was customary to take literally the time mentioned in the invitation and to apologise for even a few minutes lateness in order that the montagues should not become confused with the capulets bindle had taken the precaution of asking his own friends to come to the back door he had added that the beer would be in the kitchen mrs bindle had always been immovable in her determination that bindle's low public-house companions should not have an opportunity of insulting her friends from the alton road chapel with mrs bindle the first quarter of an hour of her rare social gatherings was always a period of anguish and uncertainty although everybody knew everybody else all were constrained and ill at ease miss lamb kept twirling her rolled gold bracelet around her lace mittened wrist smiling vacantly the while miss deeth seemed unable to keep her hard grey eyes set far too closely together from the refreshment sideboard whilst mrs dykes a tiny woman in a fawn skirt and a coral pink blouse was continually feeling the back of her head as if anticipating some catastrophe to her hair mrs hearty who began in a bright blue satin blouse and ended in canary-coloured stockings thrust into cloth shoes with paste buckles beat her breast and struggled for breath mr hearty was negative conversationally he was a bankrupt whilst mrs stitchley was garrulous and with a purpose she was bent upon taking down the consciousness that she had not been invited her excuse for coming at least the excuse she made to herself was that of chaperoning her daughter a near-sighted shapeless girl with no chest and a muddy complexion who never had and never would require such an attention the others were just neuter except mr thimble whose acute nervousness and length of limb rendered him a nuisance mrs bindle was conscious that she was looking her best in a dark blue alpaca dress with a cream-coloured lace yoke which modesty had prompted her to have lined with the material of the dress 
to her the display of any portion of her person above the instep or below the feminine equivalent of the adam's apple was a tribute to the mammon of unrighteousness and her dressmaker was instructed accordingly she moved about the room trying to make everyone feel at home and succeeding only in emphasizing the fact that they were all out everybody was anxious to get down to the serious business of the evening still the social amenities had to be observed there must be a preliminary period devoted to a conversation after a quarter of an hour's endeavor to exchange the ideas which none of them possessed mrs bindle moved over to mr hearty and whispered something at the same time glancing across at the harmonium there was an immediate look of interest and expectancy on faces which a moment before had been blank and apathetic mr goslett a little man with high cheekbones and a criminal taste in neckwear cleared his throat mr hearty surreptitiously slipped into his mouth an acid drop which he had just taken from his waistcoat pocket mr dykes a long thin man who in his youth had been known to his contemporaries as razor drew his handkerchief with a flourish and tested mrs bindle's walls as if he were a priest before jericho some difficulty arose as to who should play mr hearty's beloved instrument mrs stitchley made it clear that she expected her daughter mabel to be asked mrs bindle however decided that mrs snarch a colourless woman who sang contralto her own contralto and sniffed when she was not singing contralto should preside her influence with her fellow members of the choir was likely to be greater thus in the first ten minutes mrs bindle scored two implacable enemies and one dubious friend mrs snarch took her seat at the harmonium fidgeted about with her skirts and blinked near-sightedly at the book of carols which seemed disinclined to remain open the others grouped themselves about her there was a medley of strange sounds as each member of the party took the necessary steps to ensure purity of vocal tone added to this mr dykes pulled his collar away from his throat and stretched his neck upwards as if to clear a passage for the sound he intended to send forth mr goslett pushed his sandy moustache up from his full lips with the back of his right forefinger whilst mrs stitchley moistened and remoistened her thin colourless lips then they joined together in song after a preliminary carol in which no one seemed to take any particular interest they got off well together with good king wenceslas a prime favourite at the alton road chapel this evening it proved an enormous success miss stitchley's shrillness clashed with mrs bindle's sharpness more than in the preceding carol mr hearty shut his eyes more tightly and was woollier mr dykes got more breath behind his boom and mrs dykes made more mistakes in her harmony mr goslett raised his head higher looking more than ever like a chicken drinking whilst miss deeth's thin upper notes seemed to pierce even mr dykes boom just as they put miss lamb always uncertain as to pitch even further off her stroke still everyone enjoyed it immensely even mrs stitchley who confessed that she was no and at singing croaked a few husky notes as she sat acutely upright due to a six and eleven penny pair of stays she had bought that afternoon nodding her head and beating time mrs stitchley never lost an opportunity of making clear her position in regard to music i'm musical my dear she would say it's in the family but i don't sing as i has spasms you know she volunteered this information much as a man might seek to excuse his inability to play the french horn by explaining that he is addicted to bass viol 
now that's what i call a cara said mrs stitchley endeavouring to prevent the upper portion of her stay busk from burying itself in her flesh then with sudden inspiration she cried encore encore and made a motion to clap her hands but the stay busk took the opportunity of getting in a vicious dig with a little yelp of pain mrs stitchley's hands flew to her rescue everybody was too pleased with good king wenceslas to trouble about mrs stitchley's stay busk the word encore however had given them an idea mr hardy looked interrogatingly at mrs bindle do you think he began shall we have it again she queried and there was a chorus of pleased acquiescence everybody was determined to put a little bit more into the encore than into the original rendering there was only one dissentient voice that of mr dykes who was eager for the first noel which gave him such a chance for individual effort when out with the chapel christmas singers mr dykes had been known to awaken as many as six streets with a single verse of that popular carol mrs bindle almost smiled her party was proving a success mrs stitchley still holding the top of her stay busk in her left hand nodded approval her beady little eyes fixed upon the singers she was awaiting an opportunity to bring from her pocket a half quartum bottle containing what if she had been caught drinking it she would have described as clove water taken medicinally to give colour to her assertion she always chewed a clove after each reference to the bottle at the golden horse mrs stitchley's clove water was known as old tom special for an hour mrs bindle's guests sang encoring themselves with enthusiasm mr dykes got in his famous noel he pronounced it no ho hell and everyone else seemed satisfied if a little sore of throat it was half-past eight when mrs bindle decided that the time had come for refreshments throughout the evening her ears had been keenly alert for sounds from the kitchen but beyond a suppressed hum of voices she could detect nothing still she was ill at ease if mrs hearty for instance knew that bindle was in the house she would certainly go over to the enemy in the matter of catering for her guests mrs bindle had nothing to learn she was a good cook and delighted in providing well for those she entertained her sausage rolls straightforward affairs in which the sausage had something more than a walking on part were famous among her friends her blancmange jam puffs rock cakes and sandwiches had already established her reputation with those who had been privileged to taste them she basked in the sunshine of the praise lavished on what she provided without it she would have felt that her party was a failure this evening there was no lack of approval cordially expressed mrs stitchley who purposely had partaken of a light luncheon and no tea was particularly loud in her encomiums preluding each sausage roll she took from the sixth onwards with some fresh adjective mrs bindle was almost happy she was in the act of pouring out a glass of lemonade for miss lamb when suddenly she paused an unaccustomed sound from the kitchen had arrested her hand others heard it too and the hum of conversation died away into silence broken only by mr hearty's mastication of a sausage roll through the dividing wall came the sound of a concertina mrs bindle put down the jug and turned towards the door as she did so a thin nasal voice broke into song for he was oiled in every joint a bobby come up who was standing point he blew his whistle to summon more bill got home on the point of his jaw then he screamed and kicked and bit their knees 
as each grabbed a leg or arm by degrees and that's how bill morgan was taken home on the night of his first wife's funeral the verse was followed by a full-throated chorus accompanied by a pounding as if someone were hurling bricks about after that came silence but for the hum of conversation above which rose bindle's voice forbidding further singing until them next door have had a go the guests looked at one another in amazement the set expression of mrs bindle's face hardened and the lines of her mouth became grim her first instinct had been to rush to the kitchen but she decided to wait she did not want a scene whilst her guests were there gradually the carol singers returned to their plates and glasses and mr hearty's mastication was once more heard in their midst mr hearty always ate with relish unobserved by mrs bindle mrs hearty stole out of the parlour on her way to investigate a minute later mrs stitchley followed the solitude of the passage gave her an admirable opportunity of finishing the clove water she had brought with her when everyone had assured mrs bindle in answer to her pressing invitation to refresh themselves still further that they really couldn't not if she were to pay them she turned once more to mr hearty for the necessary encouragement to start another carol their first effort however clearly showed that mrs bindle's refreshments had taken the edge off their singing miss stitchley had lost much of her shrillness mrs bindle was less sharp and mr hearty more woolly mr dykeson's boom was but a wraith of its former self proving the truth of mrs dykes's laughing remark that if he ate so many of mrs bindle's sausage rolls he wouldn't be able to sing at all only miss deeth was up to form her shrill soprano still cleaving the atmosphere like a javelin as the last chords of the carol died away the concertina in the kitchen took up the running followed a minute later by the same voices before singing nasally about the adventures of a particularly rollicking set of boon companions who knew neither care nor curfew at the first sound mrs bindle moved swiftly to the door where she paused uncertainly she was in a quandary her conception of good manners did not admit of a hostess leaving her guests still something had to be done at the conclusion of the verse the voice ceased but the concertina wailed on mrs bindle drew breath her guests gazed at one another in a dazed sort of way then with a crash came the chorus rendered with enthusiasm we'll all roll home we'll all roll home for home's the only place for weary men like us we'll all roll home we'll all roll home for we haven't got the money to pay for a bus well it's only half past two and it won't be three just yet so we'll all roll home we'll all roll home and lay down in the passage to be out of the wet the applause that followed was annihilating accompanying it again was the curious banging sound which mrs bindle had noticed before she was sure she recognized amid the cries of approval the sound of a woman's voice that decided her she had already noted the absence of mrs hearty and mrs stitchley without so much as an apology to her guests who stood still gazing blankly at one another mrs bindle slipped out into the passage closing the door behind her much to the disappointment of the others a moment later she threw open the kitchen door conscious that one of the most dramatic moments of her life was at hand through a grey film of tobacco smoke she saw half a dozen men one seated on the floor another on the fender and two on the table all were smoking about the room were dotted bottles and various drinking vessels mostly cups whilst on the mantelpiece were bindle's white cuffs discarded on account of their inconvenient habit of slipping off at every movement of his hands 
mrs hearty was seated in front of the dresser holding a glass of beer in one hand and beating her breast with the other whilst opposite to her sat mrs stitchley one hand still clutching the top of her stay-busk an idiotic smirk upon her moist face as mrs bindle gazed upon the scene she was conscious of a feeling of disappointment no one seemed to regard her presence as any deviation from the normal mrs stitchley looked up and nodded bindle deliberately avoided her eye mrs bindle's attention became focused upon the man seated on her fender in his hands he grasped the concertina before him were stretched a pair of thin legs in tight blue trousers above a violent blue necktie there rose a pasty face terminating in a quiff of amazing dimensions which glistened greasily in the gaslight his heavy-lidded eyes were half closed whilst in his mouth he held a cigarette the end of which was most unwholesomely chewed his whole demeanour was that of a man who had not realised that the curtain had risen on a new act in the drama as mrs bindle appeared at the kitchen door the concertina once more began to speak a moment later the musician threw back his head and gave tongue like a hound baying at the moon for i love my mother love her with all my heart i can see her now on the doorstep the day we had to part a man that's got a tenor can always get a wife but a mother is just the treasure that comes once in a life now then ladies and gents chorus if you please he cried they did please and soon mrs bindle's kitchen echoed to a full-throated rendering of we all love mother love her all the time for there ain't no other who seems to us the same from babyhood to manhood she watches o'er our lives for it's mother 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 bless the dear old name it was a doleful refrain charged with cockney melancholy yet there could be no doubt about the enthusiasm of the singers mrs hardy spilled beer over her blue satin bosom as a result of the energy with which she beat time mrs stitchley's hand the one not grasping her stay-busk was also beating time different time from mrs hearty's whilst two light-coloured knees rose and fell with the regularity of piston-rods solving for mrs bindle the mystery of the sounds like the tossing about of bricks she had heard in the parlour ginger was joining in the chorus as the singer started the second verse mrs bindle was conscious that someone was behind her she turned to find miss stitchley standing at her shoulder a moment later she realized that the little passage was overflowing with carol singers still she made no sign not even when miss stitchley slipped past her and took up a position behind her mother's chair mrs bindle realized that she was faced with a delicate situation the second chorus still further complicated matters mrs bindle was sure she heard the haunting refrain mumbled from behind her she turned quickly but treason came from the other direction suddenly miss stitchley burst into song and the passage throwing aside its hesitation joined in softly it is true still it joined in come in everybody cried mrs stitchley when the chorus ceased momentarily forgetful that it was mrs bindle's kitchen ain't he clever she added looking admiringly at the musician who glanced up casually at the mistress of the house art wiggins was accustomed to feminine worship and unlimited beer he regarded them as the natural tributes to his genius come in the old lot cried bindle cheerily as he proceeded to unscrew the stopper of a bottle have a wet art he cried addressing the vocalist you deserves it the remainder of the parlour party filtered into the kitchen and mrs bindle realized the anguish of a louis the fourteenth her legions had gone over to the enemy 
now this remarked mrs stitchley to ginger a quarter of an hour later is what i calls a cosy evening to which ginger grumbled something about not holding with women art wiggins was the hero of the occasion he smoked halves of endless cigarettes chewing the remainder he drank beer like a personified sahara and a continuous stream of song flowed from his lips when at length he paused to eat mrs stitchley took up the running urged on by bindle to whom she had confided that as a girl she had achieved what was almost fame with i heard the mavis singing art wiggins did not know the tune but was not to be deterred carry on mother he cried through a mouthful of ham sandwich i'll pick it up the result was that art played something strongly reminiscent of bubbles while mrs stitchley was telling how she had heard the mavis singing to the tune of swanee it was a great success until art weary of being so long out of the picture threw bubbles swanee mrs stitchley and the mavis overboard and broke into a narrative about a young man of the name of bert who had become enamoured of a lady whose abbreviated petticoats made an excellent rhyme for the hero's name mrs stitchley continued singing but art and bert and the young lady of his choice plus the concertina left her little or no chance like a figure of retribution mrs bindle stood in the doorway hard of eye and grim of lip whilst just behind her mr hearty picked nervously at the quicks of his fingers the other guests had proved opportunists they had thrown over the sacred for the profane they came out particularly strong in the choruses three i never remember such an evening my dear was mrs stitchley's valediction stitchley'll be sorry he missed it she added indifferent to the fact that he had not been invited she was the last to go just as she had been the first to arrive throughout the evening she had applauded every effort of art wiggins to add to what bindle called the harmony of the evening i have enjoyed it mrs bindle said mrs stitchley it was lovely with these encomiums ringing in her ears and confirmed by what she herself had seen and heard mrs bindle closed the door and returned to the kitchen bindle watched her uncertainly as she tidied up the place whilst he proceeded to arrange upon the dresser the beer bottles sixteen in number and all empty as a rule he could anticipate mrs bindle's mood but to-night he was frankly puzzled when he had asked huggles and wilkes to drop in for a jaw he had not foreseen that on the way they would encounter ginger his cousin art wiggins and two bosom friends of art nor could he be expected to foresee that art went nowhere without his concertina it was as much part of him as his elaborate quiff their arrival had inspired bindle with something akin to panic for a long time he had striven to mute art's musical restiveness at length he had been overruled by the others and art had burst into song about bill morgan and his first wife's funeral after that as well try to damn niagara as seal those lips of song mrs bindle's grim silence as she moved about the kitchen disconcerted bindle he was busy speculating as to what was behind it all been a happy sort of evening he remarked at length as he proceeded to knock the ashes out of his pipe mrs bindle made no response but continued to gather together the plates and glasses and place them in two separate bowls in the sink seemed to enjoy theirselves he ventured a few minutes later joined in the choruses too bindle's remark was like a shot fired at a waterspout mrs bindle's wrath burst its bounds and engulfed him one of these days you'll kill me she shrilled dropping into a chair and then perhaps you'll be happy what have i done now he inquired you've made me ashamed of you she stormed 
you've humiliated me before all those people what must they think seeing me married to one who will suffer under the third and fourth generation and but i can't you will and you know it she cried look at the men you had here to-night you never been a proper husband to me here have i been toiling and moiling inching and pinching working my fingers to the bone for you and then you treat me like this bindle began to edge almost imperceptibly towards the door see how you've humiliated me her voice began to quaver what will they say at the chapel they know all about you whistling on sundays and spending your time in public houses while your wife is working herself to skin and bone to cook your meals and mend your clothes what'll they say now they've seen the low companions you invite to your home they'll see how you respect your wife still bindle made no retort but in a subdued murmur hummed gospel bells mrs bindle's favourite hymn which he used as a snake charmer uses a flute you're glad i know it she continued exasperated by his silence glad to see your wife humiliated look at you now you're glad her voice was rising hysterically one of these days i shall go out and never return and then you'll be like a tornado the emotional superstorm burst and mrs bindle was in the grip of screaming hysterics she laughed she cried she exhorted she reproached everything evil that had ever happened to her or to the universe was directly due to the blackness of bindle's heart and the guiltiness of his conscience he was the one barrier between her and earthly heaven he had failed where mr hearty had succeeded she poured upon him a withering stream of invective and she did it at the top of her voice at first bindle stared then he gazed vaguely about him he made a sudden dive for the cupboard rummaged about until he found the vinegar bottle pouring some into a saucer he filled it up with water and returned to where mrs bindle sat slopping the liquid as he went mrs bindle was now engaged in linking him up with sodom and gomorrah the fate that befell lot's wife and dr crippen then with a final scream she slipped from her chair to the floor where she lay moaning and sobbing with an earnest anxious look in his eyes bindle knelt beside her and from the saucer proceeded to sprinkle her generously with vinegar and water until in odour she resembled a freshly made salad when he had sprinkled the greater part of the contents of the saucer on to her person he sat back on his heels and with grave and anxious eyes regarded her as a boy might who has lighted the end of a rocket and waits expectantly to see the result gradually the storm of emotion died down and finally ceased he still continued to gaze fixedly at mrs bindle convinced that vinegar and water was the one and only cure for hysterics presently she straightened herself she moved then struggling up into a sitting position she looked about her the unaccustomed smell assailed her nostrils she sniffed sharply two or three times what have you been doing she demanded oh, i've been bringing you too he said his forehead still ribbed with anxiety oh you beast you she moaned as she struggled to her feet you done it on purpose done what on purpose she inquired poured vinegar all over me and soaked me to the skin you've spoilt my dress you and with a characteristically sudden movement she turned and fled from the room and upstairs banging the door with a ferocity that shook the whole house well i'm blowed he muttered and me thinking she'd like me to bring her round and he slipped out into the parlour which wore a very obvious morning after the party aspect his object was to give mrs bindle an opportunity of returning he knew her to be incapable of going to bed with her kitchen untidy he ate a sausage roll and a piece of the admonitory jam tart listening keenly for sounds of mrs bindle descending the stairs 
finally he seated himself on the stamped plush couch and absent-mindedly lighted his pipe presently he heard a soft tread upon the stairs as if someone were endeavouring to descend without noise he sighed his relief ten minutes later he rose and stretched himself sleepily there were obvious sounds of movement in the kitchen now if i wasn't the bloomin coward what i am he remarked as he took a final look around i'd light them two candles but i ain't got the pluck with that he turned out the gas and closed the door you take those bottles into the scullery and be quick about it was mrs bindle's greeting as he entered the kitchen she fixed her eye on the platoon of empty beer bottles that bindle had assembled upon the dresser he paused in the act of digging into his pipe with a matchstick he had been prepared for the tail end of a tornado and this slight admonitory puff surprised him well did you hear without a word the pipe was slipped into his pocket and picking up a brace of bottles in either hand he passed into the scullery as he did so a strange glint sprang into mrs bindle's eyes with a panther-like movement she dashed across to the scullery door slammed it too and turned the key a second later the kitchen was in darkness and mrs bindle was on her way upstairs to bed the continuous banging upon the scullery door as she proceeded leisurely to undress was as sweet music to her ears that night bindle slept indifferently well End of chapter 3, read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.